I'm here to introduce uh, the speakers. Uh, and uh, we start with Miles Allen, here from Oxford, uh, who will take the floor. And uh, we'll see where we go. Thank you. Let me get straight into this. So um, I've uh, been asked to talk about community and risk count, certainly at IPCC, but I gathered a lot of what I was, what I had in the talk, because well, there's been a lot of discussion of community and risk count, certainly at IPCC already. So I'm going to try and keep my sort of factual remarks about what IPCC does to a minimum. Um, because I assume we sort of heard about that already, and get straight on to uh, opinions, which is always more fun, um, and so uh, for me, um, and so I'm hoping that that might sort of keep my remarks reasonably short and get on to 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 to, to Arthur's. Um, uh, Peter's already mentioned this recommended reading, the the guidance note for uh, lead authors of the fifth assessment, which was this attempt to to unify uh, the treatment of uncertainty across the working groups of IPCC. Um, and I think you've already seen these kind of um, problems uh, that, that arose in previous reports. Uh, in particular, the thing which really prompted this was people getting very um, puzzled by what statements like this one at the bottom here, 20 to 30% of plants and animal species assessed so far are likely, meaning two and three chance, to be an increased risk of extinction if the increase in global average temperature exceeds 1.5 to 2.5 degrees, and that whole statement has medium confidence. So there's so many different types of uncertainty in here. There's a range there. There's a medium confidence, which means better than 50% chance of the statement as a whole being true. Um, there's a two in three chance there, and then there's even a percentage in there, although that's not the that's clearly, um, I think there's a general feeling that it had all got too complicated and there was a need to sort of unify things uh, a, bit, a bit more clearly. So what came out of um, this uh, Master Andrea et al. Uh, working group uh, was an agreement that the sort of language about quality of evidence and agreement of evidence um, should be merged into a single sort of non-probabilistic confidence scale. Um, and so we would sort of try and make statements of confidence about um, the validity of what the IPCC was saying uh, without attempting to assign numerical probabilities to these statements and only use statements of probability when we had high confidence or very high confidence in what we were talking about, and it was therefore then appropriate to assign uh, an explicit probability to a particular outcome. So that was the sort of key um, move forward, that instead of trying... Now, the, there's, there's a difficulty with this, which is that um, it's very hard to step away from the situation of what very high confidence means and trying to sort of keep that consistent across scientists and across working groups without some kind of numerical interpretation. I mean, you could argue that numbers are the only things that, well, some people would argue, Plato might argue, I don't know, um, the numbers are the only, the only things that, that actually mean the same between different people. Uh, we could have a, yeah, we could digress at some interesting length on that one. But, um, uh, but, but, but the point is that um, we've, it's, it's been recognized that you, you, it didn't, it's clearly been recognized that it didn't help to have two um, uh, different 
two different numerical scales. Um, I, I wasn't at this meeting, although I did make input into it. And I should say I, I, I was all for a two-dimensional scale with sort of confidence in one direction and likelihood in the other, and you sort of try and map where you are. Because that's, you know, that was far too complicated. Um, but anyway, I, I thought it was, it, it, being a sort of uncertainty nerd, I, of course, I wanted the most complicated possible solutions to sort of justify my existence. Um, and uh, which is actually, that, that justifying the existence of the nerds is something I will come back to. Um, uh, I wanted to pick up on a, a statement. I, I was in and out this morning, and I apologize for that, but I did get uh, uh, Professor Spiegelhalter's um, talk. And um, I, I wanted to pick up on one of the things he said, uh, uh, and also one of the, um, a, a point he made. He, he, didn't, he, didn't, he, he didn't really dwell on this in, in, the, in, in the talk because he was sort of tactfully staying off climate. But um, uh, in a paper which I strongly recommend to people, uh, which uh, published in Proceedings of Royal Society last year in the Uncertainty uh, Workshop, which I think Tim convened, um, uh, he, he, he was arguing that um, uh, so, some of the statements which the IPCC make about things like most of the warming over the past 50 years are not really open to, are not, are not really appropriate statements for a probabilistic interpretation because they're not, they're about single events and they're not really open to falsification in any uh, uh, obvious way. So I, I wanted to, to, to sort of Drill, dwell on this a little bit, because if we make statements with uncertainties, we should ask ourselves, part of making those statements should be an implicit um, a, account of how those statements could be proved wrong. That's something that, I mean, if, if, you, if you make a statement with an uncertainty estimate, what, what does it mean for that statement to be proved wrong um, in the, in, 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 with, as, as new information comes to light? So I wanted to give an example of one of these. So, um, and it's actually uh, very topical because I discovered that actually Arthur is, uh, or at least uh, the, the, the Dutch delegation, of course the, there are no names assigned to delegations, but the, the Dutch delegation in, uh, 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 in uh, Shanghai in 2001 uh, was, was largely responsible for carrying this little statement through into the um, summary for policymakers of the um, IPCC third assessment where it was saying uh, anthropogenic warming is likely to lie in the range of 0.1 to 0.2 degrees over the next few decades under a particular scenario. And the reason the lead authors were quite keen to see a statement like this carried through into the summary was because it's actually a probabilistically qualified statement about the future. And in fact, it was the only one. Um, the, the, there were more in AR4, but in, in, in the third assessment, um, there, was nothing, there was nothing about the future was 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 no no sort of numerical predictions about the future were, were, were quantified um, with this likelihood language um, to to um, apart from this one and and you know we felt it was important for the IPCC to say things about the future which might be proved to be wrong um, uh, because otherwise it's not really saying anything at all um, and uh, so I, uh, I'm, I'm, I like this. So this, this is a sort of a, a graph which was in a paper published on, uh, on not long before then, um, uh, which uh, showed 
which was one of the pieces of evidence which, which under, underlay, underlay this statement. And so, of course, we now have the opportunity to see, sort of 15 years on, how we're doing. That is how we're doing. Um, so, you know, so far, this statement has clearly uh, not been uh, falsified. Um, and indeed, if we looked at a, an alternate forecast, say, for example, if, if you'd forecast the temperatures in the 90s, um, uh, the, the rise in temperature in the 80s and the 90s was a random fluctuation, and therefore temperatures were as likely to fall again, or if it was a random fluctuation, arguably more likely to fall from the 90s to the, to the noughties than rise, then your alternate forecast should be you know, somewhere down here, and that would already be inconsistent with this forecast and certainly inconsistent with what's happened. Um, one of the... Uh, so I think there is a sense in which if you make statements about the future qualified with um, uh, these uncertainty, uh, this, this sort of quantitative estimates of uncertainty, they become falsifiable. If you simply make a statement, this is what the CMIP model, well, this is what the current model into comparison projections do, um, then of course that statement's not falsifiable ever because it is always true that that's what the models did. And so, so the sort of projections is that, that that's not a that's not a helpful falsifiable statement. And indeed, we were uh, one of the speakers shortly before lunch was talking about this. The, the, no, no, no. It was in, it was in, it was in your, your 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 talk. The the, 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 um, the the sort of scenarios picture. It, it might be a good communication tool, but it does raise the question. Okay, how how could that picture be proved wrong? Um, by, by reality. And if you've only shown a few um, hurricane tracks and then the real hurricane track, obviously, obviously it won't coincide with any of the ones you've shown exactly, you know, how, 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 how could, what's, what's the falsification criteria for that? So I think um, if you make a forecast with a probabilistic uncertainty estimate, I think it is falsifiable in a sense, but I hope we'll sort of talk about this, in the sense that if the real world falls outside your 60% range, then you've, you said before this happened that there was a less than one in three chance of that happening, and therefore, you know, that if it does happen, then you, you've got you, the two options are either you were unlucky or your forecast wasn't very good. And if it keeps happening, then you have to keep saying, well, I was really, really, really unlucky. Um, and your forecast becomes progressively less credible. So I, I think there's, a, there's, a, there's an extra twist on this, of course, which, as I pointed out, um, waving hands, um, comparing forecasts as which forecasts better um, and you can, is much e actually easier to formalize in this sort of, uh, and, and you can use the sort of Bayes factor analysis that, uh, that, that you were talking about in, in that paper, I think, to do that. So um, some statements, I think, uh, if we make statements with these quant quantitative um, estimates of, of, of uncertainty on them, then they do have this enormous advantage of being open to falsification. Um, and um, so that, that's, that's obviously a reason for, uh, I think, IPCC authors to, to uh, try and be as quantitative as, as quantitative as they can in this way. The problem is that um, it's in the, the we, we've got this uncertainty guidance note. Um, and uh, the, the challenge is what's emerged is actually in the implementation of it, in, in what happens 
you know, what, what, what people actually do. And I gather already that sort of practices between working groups aren't perhaps as unified as we'd like. Um, and uh, one of the things I'm seeing in working group one is that, um, and certainly I think this was going on in AR4, so we can talk about sort of history here rather than worrying about what's actually happening here. Who knows what's going to happen in AR5? Um, assigning, there's, a, there's a sense in which unless you've assigned a fully-fledged likelihood qualifier to a statement, it's not a very important statement, and it won't get elevated up into the summary for policymakers. Now, there's a lot of statements that one might make, and I've given an example of one here, which is dear to my heart. Um, cumulative emissions of carbon dioxide are the principle determined to the risk of dangerous anthropogenic climate change. I think we have very high confidence that this statement is true. Okay? Well, immediately some bickering, no doubt, because you know, we said that with, with climate scientists in the room. But, uh, but well, we'll come on to what you might want to bicker about. But the point is, um, that there's, no, there's no likelihood. There's, you know, we're not expressing a likelihood there. Um, you, you, and yet that still, that, that um, statement itself tells you something about the current focus of the UNFCCC and it actually being in the wrong place. The UNFCCC does not focus on cumulative emissions of carbon dioxide, so it's not focused on the principal determinants of dangerous climate change, which is a bit of a problem, you thought, and something it would be good for the IPCC to say very clearly. And yet the uncertainty language of the IPCC is actually making it difficult for the IPCC to say this because it's just not the kind of thing that gets elevated because it's not a, it is very likely the case that X type statement. And that worries me. So we've got this, it's, it's a perception problem that unless you're making a particular type of statement like that very likely one to, you know, 0.1 to 0.2 degrees per decade, you know, that was, a, that was the sort of statement which the uncertainty language was ideally suited for. Okay, we can make it, it becomes falsifiable, it's nice, it's concrete, everything works. Okay. You've then got other statements which are, in my view, no less important to convey, um, which this language doesn't fit, which of course I think chimes with a lot of the um, discussion this morning, that this whole idea of developing a sort of rules system um, to fit all situations actually could be part of the problem here, um, that more, uh, 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 the, 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 the enterprise of developing a sort of set of rules which will apply to all statements may actually be uh, itself the problem rather than whether or not we've got those rules right. Um, so um, the, uh, uh, I mean, the, the, to, to come back to this uh, statement here, um, it's, even though it doesn't carry a sort of likely, very likely qualifier, it's clearly falsifiable in the sense that you might do some new research and discover that actually our current understanding of the carbon cycle is wrong and that if we were to reduce emissions, carbon dioxide concentrations in the atmosphere would immediately start to fall. And if that were the case, then this statement would be wrong. And in fact, it would be emissions in any given decade that would be important, not the cumulative emissions. Okay? And that's, I don't think any carbon cycle modeler thinks that's particularly likely at the moment, but that's not inconceivable. Um, so there's, this is a, it's not a vacuous statement in the sense it, it could be shown to be wrong by subsequent research. Um, but it's, you know, it's just, it, it's not the kind of statement that the IPCC uncertainty language um, uh, 
naturally causes to be brought up to the uh, uh, to, 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 to the to the top of the pile. I should stress, by the way, that, that statement is not anything to do with AR5. I pulled it out of a, uh, a, a documents uh, various people wrote for um, uh, the um, Copenhagen conference. So I, I, I'm not involved in the summary of policymakers uh, process for AR5. Um, so. Um, I, I wanted just to keep thinking about, although I'm supposed to be talking to you about the uncertainty language in, AR5, in, in the IPCC, I'm, I'm, uh, what I really want to talk about is the problems, yep, the uncertainty language can't solve. Um, this problem of constructing statements that are universally valid and therefore impossible to misunderstand has led us into a situation where we're forced into making statements that are both impossible to understand, either impossible to understand or just completely vacuous. And increasingly, statements in, in IPCC summaries, and I think Arthur's going to pick up on this, are just becoming so legalistic because you've got to look at them so carefully for ways in which they might be possibly deliberately misconstrued by somebody to say that this statement was false. Um, uh, that that's the, 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 the actual value of the, of, of the documents as a communication tool become uh, uh, d diminished. I think there's a very simple solution to this. We should just give up on this, um, I like the phrase, Stalinist notion of a single information vehicle. Um, we don't need that. We, we don't, you know, perhaps we needed it in 1990 when the, uh, you know, climate change needed to be put on some, somebody's agenda. But do we really need a single tombstone last word on climate every five years? Um, so, um, although this is well off um, my, I, I know this is relevant to, to the overall theme. Would communication of risk and uncertainty in climate science actually be better served um, uh, by the IPCC if the fifth assessment was also the last. Thank you.